We're continuing our sermon series this week on on stranger things, where we're looking at passages that talk about strangers in the Bible. You might remember that uh, our previous sermon series was about voices in the Bible, the voice of God and how we can listen to God's voice. Well, this week, in some ways, it's kind of like we're combining the two of those. We're talking about strangers and their voices. And we're going to do that by reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, beginning with the first verse. Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and and to kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So as March slowly approaches, I don't know if you've noticed, but the days are slowly getting a little bit longer each and every day, just a minute here and a minute there. And as the days get longer, Julianne and I get to spend a little bit more time out on our back porch watching the sun go down. It's kind of my favorite time of day, and it always has been. Even when I was a child, going out and playing in my backyard until dusk, as far as, as soon as the sun came down and I couldn't see anything, I would stay out as late as I possibly could. Or maybe even going over to my neighbor's house, they had a wooded area in the backyard, and I would play with my neighbor and our, our friends in our neighborhood until it was so late that the, the street lights would come on. We'd play out and stay as long as we could until we heard my mom calling us in. Maybe that was some of your experience too growing up before there were video games and computers and things like that. I know it was my dad's experience as well. He tells many stories about how in Waycross, Georgia, they would stay out as late as they possibly could, knowing all the neighbors in their neighborhood, and they would stay out and play and as, as late as they could until finally someone would call them home. My grandfather had this special way of calling them, though. He wouldn't stand out on the back steps and yell, kind of like my mother would. Instead, he would walk out on the back steps just when it would get late at night and those street lights were coming on, and he would do this very special whistle, something like... It was really loud, so loud that they could hear it all over the neighborhood. And my dad and his sisters would say, 
that's dad. We need to go in. He didn't have to yell. They didn't see him. They just heard him from wherever he was. They could hear that very special whistle, and they knew that was their father. They knew that whistle was meant for them. I don't know if all the other kids had their very special whistle in their neighborhood, but my parents did, my father did, and my aunts did, because they knew that when they heard that sound, that sound was meant for them. I'm always amazed at how parents and children have that uncanny ability to, to recognize each other's sound, to recognize each other's voice even. I've been out to soccer fields and watched kids play. It's amazing to hear at the baseball fields and the soccer fields when one kid is playing and falls and they scream and a mother all the way on the other side of the baseball field says, that's my child, I know that scream, they recognize it. Or maybe vice versa too, when their kids are out playing on the playground and a, a mom calls and a kid says, that's not my mom calling, that's yours. And they head in. Recognizing each other's voices. That's really what this passage is all about. Recognizing voices and learning which voices we can trust. That's what John talks about here in this gospel in the 10th chapter. And this passage about recognizing voices is actually set up in the, in the chapter before it, in, the, in chapter 9, when Jesus heals a blind man who can no longer see. He's, he, the disciples walk by him, they see him there, they ask this strange question, what did he do to, to deserve to be blind? And Jesus, of course, says he didn't do anything to deserve to be blind, and he was healed right there on the spot. Well, as word gets around to the Pharisees that this man has been healed, they want to come and find out and do some investigation, find out who this blind man is and how he was healed. And so they come and interview him. They come and talk to him. They don't believe him when he says and he tells them about Jesus and when he says what happened to him. So they go and talk to his parents. They go and talk to other people. And finally, they come back to the blind man and say, tell us again what happened. And he, said, he says, weren't you listening I've already told you about this before. Is it that you want to learn about Jesus? Is that's why you're asking again? Of course, those Pharisees get mad. They banish the blind man, the former blind man. They say, get out of here if you're going to talk to us like that. You're blaspheming what you're saying. But Jesus hears what happens to the blind man, that he's gotten rejected, and so he welcomes the blind man back in to be his follower. And the way he does that is with this passage about the good shepherd, about sheep following the shepherd, not listening to the voice of the strangers, but listening to the voice of the shepherd. That's what sets up this whole passage about strangers and shepherds. It's always amazing to me that, that sheep somehow can listen and hear the voice of their shepherd and somehow distinguish it from the voice of the strangers. That's what this passage tells us. But somehow, maybe if you remember from the back, the, the previous sermon series, you might know that we have a hard time doing that. With all the voices that are around us in the world today, the voices that are crying out to us, wanting our attention, wanting us to follow those voices rather than the voices of God, wanting us to follow those voices that sometimes we can trust and sometimes we cannot trust. How do we discern in the midst of all of those voices which voices are the shepherds and which voices are the strangers? Well, it starts by learning what it means to be a sheep. And not many of us like being sheep, do we? In fact, over the past few years, that word sheep has been a way that we insult each other. Did you know that? 
That when we call someone a sheep, it's usually a way of saying, you're just blindly following some ideology. You're just blindly following some leader. You're not thinking for yourself. You're blindly following a political party or maybe even blindly following a church. You're not thinking for yourself. You're just easily led. You're a sheep. In fact, in 2017, Merriam-Webster coined a new word, put a new word in the dictionary. It was amalgamation between sheep and people. It's sheeple. You don't want to be sheeple. You don't want to be people who just follow around what those people tell you who are maybe strangers rather than shepherds. We don't want to be sheep, do we? And yet I dare say the type of sheep that we find in the Bible, the type of sheep that Jesus knew, were maybe different than the sheep that we know. I dare say, let's be honest, most of us don't spend a lot of time around sheep, do we? But I have to believe that Jesus did. He talks about sheep several times. And when we learn a little bit more about sheep, they may not be so easily led as we might think they are. First and foremost, sheep, in my experience my little experience, are actually pretty uh, stubborn, pretty bullheaded, in fact. They're not like cattle who can just be pushed and pulled and to and fro. Sheep actually are, are somewhat discerning, somewhat watchful, the difference between what's familiar to them and what's uncertain for them. My few experiences of sheep have been when I was hiking across Scotland and Ireland. I can remember the first time I went hiking, I took a picture of a group of sheep because I thought, wow, look at those sheep. And then I saw about, well, about a million more sheep all throughout the time in Scotland, and I realized these aren't as uh, amazing as I thought they were. But I remember walking up, we were hiking through a, a little a wooded area, and I saw a flock of sheep, and amongst the sheep was a little baby lamb. I thought, oh, i got to get a closer look at this. And so me and my friends kind of walked a little closer, got up to the, the, the little lamb, and all of a sudden the mama you came right in front of the little lamb and stared me down, kind of stomping her feet like, you back off. I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to hurt you. Everything's fine. And that's when it happened. The attack did not come from the mama you. It came from another sheep who rammed me from behind and knocked me head over heels. See, sheep are, are not just easily led. They're not as scaredy cats as we think they are. Sheep are alert. And they know when they hear someone they can trust, someone that's familiar to them, and they know when they hear a stranger. Maybe that's the gift that sheep have most of all, the gift that Jesus is talking about in this passage. Sheep have the ability to listen. To listen for those people who they can trust and those people they don't trust. Sheep have the ability to discern this is the good shepherd and this is a stranger. In his uh, commentary on uh, the Gospel of John, William Barclay tells a little anecdote about sheep. He says that back in Jesus' day, shepherds had flocks of all kinds, and many of the shepherds knew each other. And so at night, they might gather all their sheep together in a close area to keep themselves safe. Or they might gather all their sheep together around a watering hole so they could drink water or, or graze on the same hill together. But then, when you looked at all those sheep, it was hard to tell them apart. Because they're all sheep after all. But when the time came for the flocks to, to, to split up, the, sheep, the, the shepherd could just simply go <whistles> or make some little noise and the sheep knew who their shepherd was. 
And so they would follow that shepherd. They would disperse back into their flocks just by listening to the voice of the shepherd, following where that shepherd led. See, sheep have this uncanny ability to be able to listen, to discern and decide this person is familiar or this person is strange. This person is a stranger. I wish we had that ability. We somehow lost it in time. We've somehow lost it as human beings to decide who are the people that we should listen to, who are the people we can trust, who are the people who want what's best for us, and who are the people who are just thinking about themselves. Who are those leaders, whether it be in our world or in our church, who are trying to guide us and lead us because it's what's best for us, or who are those people who are trying to guide us and lead us because it's what's best for them. And don't Get me wrong, those strangers will still say things like, trust me. Back in 1979, the author John Updike wrote a little short story. He published it in the New Yorker. It was called, Trust Me. Several little anecdotes in this little short story about a man named Harold who all throughout his life heard those words, trust me, maybe even said them a few times himself. And the first time, he was familiar, maybe story to some of you, he was, he was a little child standing on the edge of a pool, and his father was standing in the pool saying, come on, jump, I'll catch you, I promise, I'll catch you, trust me. So finally, after lots of coaxing, Harold jumps into the water, and the next thing he knows, he's sinking down to the bottom with bubbles coming up to the side. He's pulled up miraculously somehow, not really sure whatever happened to his father. All he knew is his father had said, trust me. Later in his life, being a father himself, his daughter was, had a loose tooth and he was going to try to pull his daughter's tooth and he said, this won't hurt a bit, trust me. And his daughter screamed when she pulled the tooth out. Or maybe with his own wife. His own wife, had, he tells a story later about their getting on an airplane. She hated to fly. She was terrified of airplanes. But he just said, listen, all, this is the safest way to travel. If you get on the plane with me, I promise everything will be fine. Trust me. And then, of course, as the plane takes off, as Updike says, there was an emergency and they had to immediately land. And his wife never trusted him again. In fact, it says they separated soon after. Several stories like that, all throughout this little short story of time and again where people say, trust me, but you realize, well, maybe they weren't quite as trustworthy as we thought. And then right in the middle of one of those little anecdotes, Updike says these words that I think could be the motto of a stranger. Another's pain is not our own. Religion tries to close the gap but compassion will crush us if we let it. That's the motto of a stranger. Another's pain is not my own. When I tell you to trust me, it's not because I'm worried about your pain. It's because I think I know more than you do. But when a stranger tells us to trust them, it's usually because they haven't taken the time to hear our story to hear our fears, to understand what is dangerous to us, like the good shepherd does. That's the difference between a stranger and a good shepherd. When a stranger says, trust me, we don't know if they really know us at all. 
We don't know if they've taken the time to hear our story, to empathize with us, to know what we've been through, to know what we're afraid of. But that's not the case with the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd leads his flock by going first, by facing those dangers unafraid. We often think of shepherds like we do on on nativity scenes on Christmas Eve of of little guys with, with tea towels on their heads and they're walking around with a staff. That wasn't a shepherd at all. I've come to learn that shepherds are more like big bruisers because they have to face all of the enemies that would come and attack the flock whether it be thieves and bandits trying to steal the sheep or, or lions and bears who would try to kill the sheep. In fact, we know that shepherds even carried weapons with them. David used to carry a sling with him. You remember that story. Shepherds were big, tough guys who had to protect the flock, and if needed so, they would die by their flock's side. They would never, ever leave them. And so the sheep knew they could trust the shepherd. Because the shepherd wouldn't lead them anywhere where the shepherd hadn't gone before. Barclay tells another little anecdote in his commentary about a a shepherd who's trying to to lead his flock across a little creek. You you may not know this about sheep, but moving waters are are fearful to sheep. That's why in in the Psalm 23 it says, They lead me beside still waters. It's because still waters are places where sheep can drink and feel safe. But moving waters were places where sheep were afraid of, and so the shepherd tried to move them across the moving creek, even though it was just a little little, uh, thin creek, not very deep at all. And so finally the shepherd realized, I know what I'll do, and he reached down and picked up a little lamb and walked across the creek himself and then turned around and beckoned the sheep to come forward. Well, as you might imagine, that mama you of that little lamb was the first one to come across. But then all of the rest of them, one by one by one, followed the shepherd where he had gone. Because the shepherd had gone first. Sheep followed where they knew the shepherd had already checked it out, had already tread. The shepherd had already gone to make sure that it was safe for the flock. That's part of what it means to be reformed. We love God because first, God loved us. We go to Jesus Christ, but first, Jesus Christ comes to us. We follow Jesus Christ because first, on all the things that Jesus Christ calls us to do, Jesus Christ has already done them. We face life and death and believe in resurrection because first, Jesus Christ has already come and gone. Jesus Christ says, I am the good shepherd. A shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's the difference between a shepherd and a stranger. All those strange voices out there in the world, I dare say they would not lay down their lives for us. But a sheep can tell the difference. And that's maybe not just good instruction for being a sheep, but also good instruction for what it means to be a good shepherd. Because as you know, this is not the last passage in the Gospel of John where Jesus talks about sheep. Right at the end of the Gospel of John, after Jesus has resurrected from the dead, he looks at Peter, he's come back after Peter has already denied him three times, and now he asks Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And what does Jesus say? Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. 
Jesus tells Peter, be a good shepherd. Jesus says the same thing to us. But if we're going to be good shepherds with voices that people will listen to, with voices that people will trust, if we're going to go places where people will follow, if we're going to lead people to Jesus Christ, then we have to be willing to empathize, to listen, to understand the pain and the suffering that other people have, the fears that they have. So that when we say, trust me, they might have reason to trust us. We try to do that, I hope, in the ministries here at Faith Presbyterian Church. When we design a new mission, whether it's out in the world or even here on our, our own uh, site, our own campus here at our church, we hope and pray that we've already taken the time to listen to what people need, listen to their pains, listen to their worries, so that they know when we say, trust me, it's because we know where they're coming from. When we reached out to our friends at Sealy, we didn't go and tell them, here's what you need from us. We said, tell us what you need from us. When we helped the people with Manna on Meridian, it's not an ideal situation. We have to spend more money than we normally would if we used other agencies, but we do it because we asked them, what is best for you? And they told us. When we go to Guatemala, we take as much time trying to build relationships and learn from other people. Because that's how we learn who they are, what their fears are, what their needs are. That's how we become good shepherds. It's not all about the voice. It's about the heart that's behind the voice. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And we follow Jesus because we know and trust that Jesus Christ loves us. Because Christ has proven it. And so I come to think of it, I, when I listen to those voices from my past, when I hear my mom calling me home when it's late at night, I, call, I come not just because I hear my name called, but the one calling my name has proven she loves me. That's what it means to be a good sheep. And even more so, that's what it means to be a good shepherd. Thanks be to God. Amen.